here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. I've been just thinking about, praying about what do we share, uh, how do we get to Christmas. This is usually this time of the year where you need to think about, okay, we're going to have Christmas, and that's going to be our last service for the year. It's a Saturday. It's going to be an awesome service. It's going to be a combined service, and it's really going to be a celebration. So just in pl- planning and prepping and hearing from God, I just felt to continue in this vein of, of family and oneness and um, one church, one family, uh, one army, one mission, one God. And this is the same verse we used last week, says from Ephesians 4, Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Each individual working together, each individual working together, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. It's almost like that hustling, entrepreneurial word, endeavoring. It is, it is make every effort, the Amplified says. I don't know about you, but <laughs> it's easy not to do that. It's easy to sit back, oh, you know, that person just irritates me. Or you know what, I don't agree with that person. Or have you seen so-and-so again on Sunday? Or like this person never comes to, to, to life group, and if they do, I don't even agree with them. I'm a pastor, I know what's going on. Don't... <laughs> you don't need to operate in the spirit to know um, that people struggle to get along with people. It's just in our, it's in our human nature, okay? We struggle to get along with people. It is easy to be divisive. It is easy to be offensive. It is easy to be offended. It's very easy to be offended. Because then it's not you, it's someone else. When you became a Christian, you gave up the right to be offended. You died to offense. Galatians 2.20 says that you are crucified with Christ. So I don't know what you're offended about if you're dead. Amen? Lovely message this morning for you. We sang the song and we said it's been born again, but not just been born again. We've been born again into something. We've been born again into a family. Now, if I ask you here, who wants to live for something more than themselves? Something bigger than yourself? It's going to cost you. You know what it's going to cost you? You're going to have to accept the person next to you. You're going to have to live with someone who's different because what you call to is something bigger than that's why it's in all our hearts. But God says, live for something bigger, live for the family, live for the body, live for the mission of church. Now, in our day and age, it is too easy, I believe, to be offended and to leave church because we are spoiled for choice. We are spoiled for choice. And the, the, the idea of church was not to have a church in every building, a church in every school. It was to have a church in every town. That is God's plan. Now, I don't know how we're going to solve it, but the only way we can solve it is through the Spirit. The oneness we have in the Spirit. Because the, 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 the Spirit teaches us all things. So the Spirit will then bring us to the doctrine. And there's not many doctrines. There's one doctrine. Even Jesus says, what I tell you is not mine, but I bring it from the Father. What I tell you is not what I came up with, but it is rooted and grounded in the foundation of the earth, in the foundation of the word, in the Torah, in the prophets. It is nothing new that Jesus brought. He just fulfilled what was already there. You know, the word says, I believe it's in Galatians, that Abraham went up to the mountain and he saw the day of the Lord and he rejoiced. What do you think happened on the mountain? 
He saw the day of the Lord. What is that? He saw the Messiah. He he saw the promise. He saw the outpouring of the Spirit. He saw the one who provided. He saw the... And then, then he opened his eyes, I believe. And then he saw the ram caught in the thicket. So he saw the day of the Lord spiritually. And then he opened his eyes and there was a ram caught in the thicket. Crown of thorns. He saw the day of the Lord and that's why he called that place Jehovah Jireh. The Lord provides. What does he provide? He provides an offering. He provides a sacrifice. He provides a substitute. He provides the one who brings unity. Now enables us to be one. I sat in four ways at Grace Life there two weeks ago. And I looked around the room and I was like, so many different people with so many different backgrounds, with so many different days, like how they experience their day, different jobs. And here comes a guy who used to be from Gauteng, who's now from Stellenbosch, and they come in to listen. I'm like, why would you come to listen? Why are we even in this room together? Naturally speaking, it makes absolutely no sense. But it's one spirit. It's one doctrine. It's one Lord. It's one God. It's one mission. So spiritually speaking, it makes total sense. And that's why at the end of Galatians 4, Paul then says, there's no longer Jew nor Greek. There's no longer male nor female. There's no longer master and slave because we are all one in Christ. And that word one is such a, it's such a deep word. It's not first. It's one. It's unity. It speaks about our togetherness. It speaks about what we have. We've been born again into a family. We are the sons and the daughters. Not just a family, but an army. And if I've learned one thing over the last two years is that we as humans tend to take things for granted. We took church services for granted. We took some of our liberties and freedoms for granted. I don't want you to take the church family for granted. Because you often don't realize what you have while you have it. Anyone experience that? You think you'd have a terrible job until you get a new job, and then you're like, phone your boss, and can I come back? You know where the grass is the greenest? Not on the other side of the fence, it's where you water it. Where you sow, where you give, where you, where you become part of, where you get involved. Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body. Sorry, you're part of it. <laughs> You're part of it. If you're born again, you're part of that body, whether you like it or not. You know, some people don't like to be part of the families they are, but they're part of the families. It's family. I won't ask you to raise hands. One spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. And I have to say something here is, I don't have a different calling than you do. Sorry. We all have the calling of Christ. Your calling, our calling is one calling. It is to make disciples of all nations. It is to reach out with the gospel of peace and to, 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 to reach the unreached and to disciple the found. That is our calling. It's not for some super dupers or some evangelists or some this or some that. Because this is Ephesians 4. And we, we can, if we wanted to, go to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, which speaks about the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. But people want to get stuck in the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. Oh, yeah, 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 he's a pastor. He must do ministry. No, no. I'm a pastor currently 
That is the manifestation of the gift of the Holy Spirit in which I mostly operate currently. But before I was a campus pastor, was I ineffective in the kingdom? No, I was manifesting that same gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit, in a more supportive role, in a different way. But now there was a, a vacancy, if you will. So now the Holy Spirit is not going to change, but I can change the way I manifest the Holy Spirit. I can't go around the world now every Sunday and go and evangelize in every nation. Because then all of you are going to miss me, aren't you? Or I'll miss you at least. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's a manifestation of the gifting, but the calling and the mission is the same. When Shane stepped up to operate more in his apostolic gifting and less in the pastoral gifting, it didn't change his mission. It didn't change his calling. The church has a calling. Go into all the world and reach the lost. Preach to everyone, every creature. It's met creatures out there. <laughs> There's some creatures out there. Come with us on Sunday nights. We'll show you some creatures. But the word says, preach to those creatures. Preach the message. Preach what God has for them. One hope of your calling. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So God is in us all. Some people said amen and some people said wachatz. It's the one same God that's in me, that's in Shane, that's in Joseph Prince, that's in Andrew Womack, that's in you. Lovely. Huh? That's good news. That's great news. God is not a respecter of persons. So who then stands in front? Who then ministers? Who is the, the one who grows in his relationship with God in the manifestation of the gifts? The mature ones. You see, the word elder, I believe, would better be translated maturity or the mature ones. And what is maturity? Those who are willing to give up what they want in order to live for what God wants, what the body wants, what the body requires. I didn't grow up wanting to be a pastor. I don't have that story. I don't think Bernard had that, that dream. <laughs> no ways. <laughs> you don't come up with these ideas by yourself, I promise you. But God leads you and guides you and makes you part of a body. And then you see the start to move and you see that you're part of something bigger. And then you just sort of like, where's the steering wheel? Like, Lord, I'll take it. And I believe we have this picture where you think about a rally car. And you know you've got the, the one with giving the directions and you've got the... The one driving. And then we sing a song called Jesus Take the Wheel. You're in trouble if you sing that song. Because Jesus is never going to take the wheel. He values you too much. He loves you too much. But he sits next to you. The Holy Spirit is the one who leads you and guides you into all truth. Giving you, showing you the way. Saying this is the way. Walk in it. So you've got the co-pilot, yes, if you want to listen to him, do so. But you have the wheel of your life. Which makes it more difficult because it's easy to say, Jesus, take the wheel. And we just go where, where it goes. Oh, Jesus, if this is not for you, close the door. You've got a better relationship with God than that. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you and guide you. He doesn't want to just close and open doors. Yes, there's a place where if things don't work out, then come speak to us, speak to your leader. Speak to your life group leader, and we'll pray with you, and we'll hear from the Spirit with you. Not for you, but with you. 
But he says, this is the way, take it. Blessing and cursing, life and death I put in front of you. And sometimes God says, turn left, and then you don't. Or I don't, let's speak for me. But guess what, it still works out at the end, because he says, oh, wrong turn. And it's not like the thriller movie or the horror movie, wrong turn. If you've never watched it, spare yourself. That was my before Christ days. But even if you make a wrong turn, God can get you back on track. If you listen, if you hear. Because if it's just like, Jesus take the wheel, then what really do you have to contribute? That's living, that's riding a a roller coaster. God values you too much. He gives you the steering wheel of your own life. But you can heed to his call. And his word often leads us. The word um, says in the Amplified, verse 3, Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So what is the oneness? It's in the Spirit. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. Each of us doing what is needed so that we're all together successful. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. It's a lot of words basically saying we are one. We are one. I loved the fact that I played team sport. Because you, 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 you can live this a bit. You understand it maybe a bit more. Because it's about living, playing, competing for something bigger than you. You can't do everything well in a team, but you can do what you need to do. You can do that well. And if one suffers, the whole team suffers. If the kicker misses the kick, then the whole team loses. Because there's one goal. There's one, vision, there's one calling. There's one purpose. It's to win the match. And as a rugby team in my high school, we had this, this kriet, which we sort of used before the, the, the match started. And it went something like, I must actually go find it because I believe it's almost biblical. It was, we are one and we are here to stay. We are one and together we shall stand. I mean, that's, that, that charged us up because we're going to stand together. We're going to win together. We're going to bleed together. We're going to cry together. We're going to fight together. And you know what? In my matric year, what happened is we didn't win so many matches. But we had... A few people pass away that was closely connected to the team. One being the team manager, the other being uh, um, the mother of one of our key players. So for us, even in that year, it was more about family than winning the match. And that's really so beautiful. Even if you lose the match, you can still be united as family. Even if you don't get the Christmas bonus or the increase that you were hoping for, you can still live for something bigger as part of this family. As part of this mission and this army as we go together. And as we stand up and and know that we are here to stay. I just love that. We are here to stay. That's the people I build with. That's the people who we invest into. Like we, we, We go out of our way to draw out what God has put in those people. Because we want to build something that's going to last. And if people are always like in and out of church. Or they're always wanting to leave. Then I'm like, I don't know if I can build with you because I'm not sure if you're going to be here. It's nothing personal. It's just like, it's logical, <laughs> I believe. We'll, we'll, we'll love on them. We'll meet with them. But we need to build together on this one foundation. 
1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. This is very much like uh, the end of Galatians 4. Galatians 5, 16 says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. The point I want to make there is, when I sat in that circle in four ways, and there's in the natural no reason for us to be together, but in the spiritual all the reason, we have a decision to make. The same here. Maybe in the natural you're from Somerset West, or you, you, you're from a different place, or you, like, you don't like English, or you don't like Afrikaans, or, but there's a spiritual draw that wants to draw you in, and, and there's a sacrifice to be here. I know some of you come from further than just up the road. But there's a spiritual yearning for you to be part of something bigger than yourself. And that's why getting up in the morning, I mean, I also wasn't happy to get up this morning at five. Because I got up at four as well. And, uh, and then, you know, there's, there's few minutes, it's not hours left, it's minutes before the alarm goes off. And then you, you have that moment where the flesh just wants to, ah, they want to get up, it's, weekend man sunday whenever am i going to be able to to lie in whenever are we going to be able to go to a wine farm for breakfast and, and you get all these reasoning and before you know it like there's you've convinced yourself now i don't need you to come to church you need to come to church i'm going to be here because i'm not making that decision in the flesh i've committed my life to being here I, in our house, Natasha and I don't sit there and like, what are we going to do on Sunday? Because then this wouldn't be here. Now, we try and find other times to maybe have some off time. And think about a flexible schedule, it's flexible. So <laughs> it tends to fill up quickly. So you don't have all the off time that you, that, that you have or that you need maybe. But there's a grace for it in the time. So for me, it's like when you want to go train... In the morning at 5, you don't think about it in the morning at 5 when the alarm goes off. You decide before. You put out your techies, you put out your, your clothes, and you've decided, I'm going to go train tomorrow. And when the alarm goes off, you've decided. There's no decision to make. Because guess what? The flesh in that moment is going to be weak. So I want you to know this, this. Are you part of this one? This one thing. Are you part of this? Have you made that decision or are you still checking it out? If you're still checking it out, that's fine. We love you and you're welcome. But it's better for you to make a decision. I'm part of this one thing. I'm part of something bigger than myself. And I'm willing to sacrifice, not for God, but for me. We're ending off ministry school. And uh, we read a book by a guy called K.P. Yohanan, an Indian guy who like does outreaches and he calls it national missionary movement. So he worked out what it will cost an American family to do mission work in India with the flights in between and the private schooling or international schools and like the food they eat. and extent. I mean, nothing spectacular, but just like for them to come over and then visit once every few years. And then he, he worked out how many local missionaries he can fund with that same amount of money. And it's a miraculous calculation, but it's obvious. But we went through this book, which he wrote, and he's 
passionate and he's almost furious at times and he can't understand things. But he also got caught up in some of the things he was against, which was comfort. Because he went to the States to raise funds and then he became a pastor in an affluent church and he became like sit in the aircon office and pray for people and have a nice house. But he used these words and this, this, this struck me because now we look at a teaching where he's basically, I'm going to say at the end of his life, but he's a gray haired, massive gray beard guy and he, he's now lived this, this life. It's almost like Paul at the end where he's looking back and he says, I'm going to finish this race. I'm going, to, I'm going to close it out. I can see it. And he says he's so thankful for God because Christianity saved him from himself. That's a deep statement. Because you need to live for more than yourself. Because guess what? Your body, your flesh wants to watch Netflix, eat hamburgers, and lie on the couch. Let's be honest. Specifically on a Sunday. But we're not a Sunday church. So I'm actually joking about that. There's, if you're not in a life group, you're missing out. There's a reason we take two minutes, five minutes every Sunday. We, I mean, we need to end by a certain time because I've got another service. But every week when I think about it, it's so important. I want to invite people again. I want to announce it again. Because if the church is, is growing, then there's no way that Natasha and I can get in touch everyone. But we want to have that extended family where we know that everyone is well taken care of, well part of, well unified in this. So we walk in the spirit and then we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The spiritual life saves us from ourselves. 2 Corinthians 8.5 from the Amplified Classic says, Nor was this gift of theirs merely a contribution that we expected. So he's speaking about giving. But first, they gave themselves to the Lord and to us, his agents, by the will of God, entirely disregarding their personal interests. They gave as much as they possibly could, having put themselves at our disposal to be directed by the will of God. So he, he speaks about a church who gave a massive financial gift. Much more than they could afford. But it's not about the money so much. He says because they first gave themselves. It's easy to give money. Maybe let's say it's easier. For some people it's really difficult. But to give yourself. To show up. To be part of. To join something. To, to, to be in that uncomfortable situation. I never knew this. I'm going to tell you a secret. So. Tunrod, Herman, Chantal, Sumi, maybe we see them as evangelists. Huh? They are the ones who, who, who lead outreach and who go on mission. And we have this debrief after our meeting last week, which was amazing. And all the different groups come back. And we've had, I mean, I had an old Tani in Kerkstraat, and I wanted to pray for her, Hendriku and I. And she said, and she, she, she just teared up. Like, oh, you know, what did I know? And she turned around and she walked away and she came back and she said, that was just, sorry, sorry. Because she came to visit family and the family went to church and she wasn't in time to go with them. So she was out by herself in a town. And we got to pray with her and she got to pray for us. It was just such a beautiful moment where, where we go out and it's uncomfortable. But it's a blessing. And you know what? There's no perfect method to start those conversations. 
There's nothing wow that just works every time. I told Hendrikko, I'm the leader, so I need to be brave. But for me, this is also uncomfortable. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Like Herman said, you just get yourself into the deep end and then you know you have to paddle out of there. Just give yourself that opportunity to experience sharing the gospel with someone else. Because in the words of Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And you grow and you increase. And they ask difficult questions which you don't have the answers for. So you've got some homework. So you get to grow. You get to mature. You, can't, you get more valuable. Who wants to be more valuable in the kingdom? We want to be more valuable. How many people do you have the capacity to disciple? If it's one, do one. If it's two, do three. Because stretch yourself. <laughs> Become part of this movement which we have, which is amazing. Disregarding their personal interest. The passion says they exceeded our expectations by first dedicating themselves fully to the Lord and then to us according to God's pleasure. The key to generos- generosity, generous living, is first dedicating yourself to God. This includes your heart, your finances, and everything you give. That is grace. Grace is generous. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. That's beautiful. There's one way. One God, one spirit, one Father, one church. If we are all saved by the same God, by the same way, by, we all have the same spirit, then there's something that we need to think about. Is 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And everyone said, Amen. But look around you. And that person you don't like also just said, Amen, to being one with the same spirit that you are one with. And then we have a verse that says, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians 1.13. So you're one, even with the person you don't like, and the Holy Spirit has sealed you there, so you're not going anywhere. So you can just as well start changing your attitude. It was a revelation for me in this week. You can go to a different church, a different congregation. You can go to Tigerberg if you have the petrol money. and like You can. Or you can just say, hey, we're one in the spirit. In the flesh, we're not, this is not working out. <laughs> this person is irritating me. This person is offending me. I don't agree with them. They don't bath. They, whatever. They look at me funny. But if we live from the Spirit, the reality that we are one, and true communion is a spiritual oneness, then it's a time to say, but maybe, maybe at least I should try. Maybe at least I can, from my side, extend a hand of forgiveness. Maybe from me, I can be less offended. And you know people who's less offended become less offensive? 
Because sometimes we're so sensitive, anything anyone says is like the blow up. One in this, one with God, amen, but one together as family, one spirit. And it's beautiful because that is, according to 1 John, the verse that Ruan shared, that's where love is really lived out. In marriage prep, I tell people, young couples who's either just gotten married or blink her eyes, looking excitedly to, to the future. I said, yeah, it's, it's awesome to be married because you know you're not going anywhere. You can, so when there's a misunderstanding, you just get there the resolution quicker. Because the team is above you being right. The team is above being you, you being offended. The team, the oneness, is a, more important than what you wanted to do on Saturday. And because of that surety that that is covenant, hey, we disagree, but we're not going anywhere, so we can just as well get on it and start agreeing about some things. We have a vision for our marriage. We have a vision for our family. We have a calling. So we align to that calling. Not my calling, not Natasha's calling, but the word we got was, together you'll glorify God more than alone. I remind myself of that because I don't want to glorify God by myself if there's more glory when Natasha is with me in our plans, in our oneness. So what that means is when I get something or I think about something or I dream of something or I think God has said to me, I submitted to her. And she doesn't make the final decision, but she gives a great input. Because together I know we make better decisions. So again, you can go around and you can make your decisions and you're free to do so. Or you can go speak to your life group leader. You can go speak to someone say, hey, I've got a decision to make. I've got something to do. I've got something to plan. I've got, like, what do you think? And you know what we're never going to do? We're never going to give you the answer. That's a promise. Because my job is not to make your decisions. My job is to equip you. To hear from God and to do the work of the ministry. But it's a safety. Proverbs says there's safety in counsel. There's safety in counsel. There's safety when we are together. Now Jesus, just before he receives the kiss of Judas, in the garden where he prayed often because Judas knew that that is where he's going to be. The Garden of Gethsemane. He prays a prayer. Which is recorded only in the book of John. For us in John 17. Just before he's going to be betrayed. Just before he's going to be captured. Beaten. Crucified. Before he's going to die. He prays a prayer. And there's so much in this prayer. And he prays. Very intimately between himself and God, his father. And then he prays for his disciples. Because he knows they're going to be scattered. And he's, he's ministered to them. John 16, John 17, even John 18 is how to survive a crisis if you need. By Jesus. Great e-course. You can go on an e-Bible and you can find it. <laughs> go read it. How to survive a crisis. 
And I, he says in verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, not just for Peter and John and Judas, and he even prays for the son of perdition, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus prayed for you moments before was captured. The night before he was crucified, he prayed for you, for me. He takes time out of that anxiety. He's sweating blood, but yet he doesn't think about just what he's going to go through. He's thinking of what this is going to mean. The same Jesus hangs, hangs on a cross and he looks at his mother and he says, Mother, this is your son. John, this is your mother. Taking one of the few last breaths that he has on this earth to utter words to bring for someone else. For someone else's benefit. But we look at it and we see that he prays for us. And then I want to know, what does he pray? Do you think this is an important prayer? Think about it. You can just read the Bible or you can get yourself into that moment and you can overhear Jesus. This is what you need to do. Jesus is sweating blood. The disciples are half asleep because I want to say they're useless, but I've been so tired that I can't even stay awake, so I don't want to judge them. Because why? The flesh is weak. But eavesdrop into this prayer with me this morning, will you? And let's get into that intimate moment with God and, and His Son, Jesus, just before He's captured. And the words that Jesus speaks there are words not just for, for the moment, but it's words for us. And he prays something very, very specific. And he says, I pray for them which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. That they may be rich. That they may have religious freedom. That they may drive great cars. No. They may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That they are just going to believe on their message. They who are going to believe the message, the good news of grace. What is the message? They who are going to believe that the Son of God came down to earth, that He died, that He was crucified, horrible death at the hand of the Romans. That he rose again. That he was lifted up. That he ascended. That he is seated at the right hand of the Father. That the Spirit has now been poured out. Those who believe that message. I'm in. That's me. If you've never believed that message, then today is your day to become part of our family. The global family. The church. The body of Christ. But let them who believe that, What? Let there be unity. Let there be oneness. But what about language? What about gender? What about race? What about ethnicity? 
What about background? What about denomination? You see why Jesus prayed this prayer? Because we have all the reason not to be one. But what is the fruit of oneness then? What is the result? It's in here. It says that the world may believe that you sent me. When we live as one, when it makes no sense to the world, the world will know Jesus is alive. Did you get that? Because it doesn't make sense to the natural mind. It doesn't make sense to the political mind. It doesn't make sense to the logical mind. It doesn't make sense to why different generations and and different this and different... Even with life groups, I love it when... like I've never had the privilege of having only a, a youth group or a student group or a young adults group. We always have the group that has everyone. And that's the best group. Because I can learn from so many different people, different stages, different ages, different backgrounds, different places, different ways where they live out Christ. That is when the world knows that Jesus is alive. Paul writes, and he says, you have become our epistle. Yes, you have epistles all throughout the Bible. But you also have the opportunity to become a letter of good news. Explaining the kingdom. How? Through your oneness with God. Everyone said amen. But also your oneness with each other. Because God ain't going anywhere. And you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. You see what we do with that verse is, I'm sealed from every demonic attack and I shall not lack and I shall not this. That's super selfish. Can I be honest this morning? You've been marked. You have the stamp of approval, but so does the person next to you. So does the one you don't like. So does the, the one who offends you or who always sings just off key or who, like, whatever. We've been marked. We are of the same team. We carry the same badge. One purpose. One family, one church, one army, one mission, one God, one Father, one Spirit, who is what? In all and through you all, through us all. That is our message. That is the miracle of church. With all the reason not to get together or get along. We do because of the one who's called us into that unity. I'll end with this. You and I have in our hands the opportunity, the invitation to make Jesus' last prayer come true. It's heavy, I know. But it's an invitation. You and I have the decision to make to say, yes. I am one with them. 
So I'm going to live like it. And guess what? I'm going to invite more people into this oneness. And the more people is going to be in this oneness, the more diversity we'll have, the more differences we'll have, the more things we'll have. But I'm willing so that the world will know God sent His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave us the opportunity to be united, to be one, to be together. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.